1: For many decades, Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman has been exploring the secrets of light and consciousness. He says when we work at being present, we remain locked in a pattern of excessive effort in thinking rather than responding to life's invitation to full awareness. He cautions us that when we remain lost in thought, plans, anxiety, We see the world through the tunnel vision created by those concerns. Today, we'll be exploring how consciousness is triggered by light and how light is a nutrient that we ingest for our well-being with our guest, Jacob Israel Lieberman. Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman is a pioneer in the fields of light, vision and consciousness. He has developed numerous light and vision therapy instruments, including the first FDA-cleared medical device to significantly improve visual performance. He earned a doctorate in the field of optometry and a PhD in vision science. He is a past president of the College of Syntonic Optometry and the International Society for the Study of Subtle Energies in Energy Medicine. He's the author of several books, including Light, Medicine of the Future, Take Off Your Glasses and See, and Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. Join us for the next hour as we explore our inner and outer vision with our guest, Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Jacob, welcome.
2: It's a pleasure to be here.
1: It's a pleasure to have you. I'd like for you to share with our listeners your first experience going, and we're going back many decades, of when you saw in a different way.
2: I'll tell you exactly when that was. That was in 1976. I had been wearing glasses for nine and a half years, like many people, I was a practicing optometrist and vision scientist, and I used to meditate at that time daily from 1971. One day I went into my meditative experience, and something unusual happened. It seems as though I disappeared. What I mean by that, there was a sense of clarity that infiltrated the whole experience, I couldn't tell what was seeing, but everything was clear. My eyes were closed, but there was a sense that whatever was seeing could see everything in the room. And when I say everything was clear, the mind was totally silent because there were no questions. Everything was clear. And I couldn't tell from where the seeing was happening. It almost felt holographic, almost as if there were eyes everywhere in the room. And when I opened up my eyes, my eyesight was clear. Very unusual because prior to that, when I took my glasses off, all I could see was the very big E on the eye chart. And so I got in my car because I really needed to know what happened. And I drove to my office because my license said I had to wear glasses for driving, they were on the seat next to me. I got to my office. I sat in my chair 20 feet away from the eye chart. I started projecting different charts, one after the other that I'd never seen before. And I was seeing 300% better than I normally was. And I said, wait a minute, how is this possible? What's happened here? So I decided to examine my eyes. Because I'd been trained to believe when your eyes get worse or deteriorate, you end up with more nearsighted or stigmatism or whatever. So if I'm all of a sudden seeing much clearer, maybe my prescription has reduced, even though I was led to believe that's impossible. So I check my own eyes without knowing what I'm doing because I can't see what the lenses, you know, what the prescriptions are. When I finish, I come out from behind my instrument, and I'm totally shocked at the fact that the prescription in the machine is almost identical to the one in my glasses. So let me see if I can explain that again. I was seeing 300% better, but my eyes had not changed at all.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Which was really a mind blower, and... As I sat with that for a while, the only thing that I could imagine is that we don't see from the eyes alone or there is something else within our humanity that is seeing or observing everything. I should tell you that was 41 and a half years ago. I have never had a pair of glasses on my face since. I'm 70 years old. I read all day long without my glasses. I drive, I've just driven all the way from San Diego without any glasses. I pass all my driver's tests. So what I'm sharing with you is, this profound experience led me to recognize something. Significant change can occur instantaneously, without effort, without thought, without anything. It can occur. And what I realize is that if we are graced and in some way enter a certain state, I don't know what the name of that state is, but a certain state, my sense is that there's a possibility that the physical body can go back to its default setting before all the conditioning. I guess what I'm saying is, I think the state I entered might be the state that one enters prior to having a spontaneous remission, where something just shifts instantaneously and there's no way of understanding exactly what's happened there. So that was the the first incident that had a very significant impact on my ability to see both visually and internally.
1: That's powerful. Jacob... So, where did taking that experience? How did it lead you then to study consciousness in light? L i g h t, light, because there's some correlation there.
2: Yeah, Um, you know, consciousness is really about seeing. It's really about perhaps uncovering what is the source of the seeing, what is it within our humanity that is noticing everything that we notice. And after that experience, I, I was trying to figure out what had happened. And so for the next four or five years, I did what I called an experiment on the workings of my mind. And, you know, in the old days... Uh, individuals that worked as janitors in buildings, they had a master key, a key that could open up all the doors. I had a feeling that in some way, even though I don't know how it occurred, I tapped that button somewhere within myself to create this big opening. And so my yearning was, can I determine what happened because I'd love to be able to share this with the world. I think it would just help so many people. Well, I spent years looking, I never found it. And what I uncovered is that when we look for one thing, we miss everything we're not looking for. And when we're looking for nothing, sometimes everything becomes apparent. And so in the process of my journey, I realize that as humans, we're conditioned to believe that we're supposed to make things happen. We're supposed to look for what we want in life and we miss something really profound. And that is that life is looking for us. And what I mean by that is that there's an animating force in this universe, the same force that guides the movements of the planets. The the ocean's moving, the, the season's changing. It's the same force that pumps our heart and breathes our lungs. None of these things do we do voluntarily. They literally are occurring to us. And so what I realized is that guiding force that's animating everything is continually guiding us so that we can fulfill our reason for being.
1: So you're saying that there is an intelligence that is moving, and if we are not so focused on something which then limits us, uh, then we can be more open to that revelation or that revealing. Maybe
2: more open to everything. For instance... I have probably spoken more than 2000 times to audiences throughout the world. I've never prepared anything. It's all like this conversation. I've never done a PowerPoint. I don't give it a thought.
1: You you actually did at one time you started to right in, in
2: 1977. That was a tremendous experience for me when I dropped my three by five cards where I had notes about the lecture, about the subject that I was supposedly masterful in, which is what everybody does. You know, we're constantly trying to hedge it in some way, have an insurance policy to make it look like we are successful or smart or whatever it is. Except in the process of preparing to such an extreme, or that miss,
1: excuse me, or yeah. that we can remember what it is we know.
2: Right, right. But you know, it's interesting. We spend all day in conversation. We're sitting on an airplane. All of a sudden, we have conversation with someone next to us we've never seen, and we find ourselves in this very deep place. How did we get there? What I discovered is we only tap into that state where everything opens up, that state where a certain level of genius comes through all of us. We only tap into that when we begin living without a net. Without
1: a net. We'll talk more about this in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman, and he's the author of Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, jacoblieberman.org. And he spells his last name, L-I-B-E-R-M-A-N, jacoblieberman.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine willis Tom's. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman, and we're talking about luminous life and light, L-I-G-H-T, and life, L-I-F-E. Um, and I, I just want to go back to that story and in the detail that you had prepared for this talk. You had these index cards, and as you were walking out on the stage, somehow they all fell. They fell, fell out, out, of out of my of hand. Your hand. You didn't pick them up, and now you're standing at the podium, and and what happened?
2: I'm sweating like hell. (laughs) I am totally frozen. I mean, really, I was dripping in sweat, and my mind was blank, and the audience was looking at me like, what's wrong? And all of a sudden, I look at them, and I said, let me tell you what just happened you invited me here to do this talk because I supposedly know something about this. But something in me didn't know that I know something about this. And so I wanted to make sure that you would think that I really knew something about it. So I prepared every line of my talk. And I said, um, and you know, they give us these podiums so we can stand there so... Perhaps you won't know that I'm reading them, but my cards just fell on the floor and the whole room starts roaring in laughter. And I was embarrassed thinking they're laughing at me and someone yells out from the crowd, we do it all the time. (laughs) And then the whole room was set free. All of us realized that our whole life we had been conditioned to believe that we had to plan ahead. We had to rehearse it. We had to get it perfectly together. And if you didn't do that, you were being irresponsible. It had to be perfect. And somewhere in making it perfect, maybe it lost its authenticity. It lost its its newness, if you will. And all of a sudden, the whole group and I realized... We'd all been doing this internal cheating process, thinking ahead, doing all these things to make sure that we would impress the group. And after we, that ice broke, if you will, all of a sudden, conversation started flowing from me. It was almost as though I was the dummy of a master ventriloquist, and the conversation was just coming through me I was supposed to speak for an hour. They didn't let me leave for three. Ah. That was the last time I ever prepared anything because it almost made me cry. It's so powerful when something magnificent comes through that you could never plan it so well. And you never lose the audience because... They're just entranced because you're having a real conversation. You're not just giving them information. So it's just been a magnificent journey for me to sit in front of a group of people and to be able to share myself as an average, humble human being, totally vulnerable. And what's beautiful about it is it gives people permission just to be themselves, not to have to be perfect, not to have to be this. But what's magnificent about it is the level of exquisiteness of the of the message is actually so much more than if you had you were writing it and reading it down line by line. That's
1: well said, thank you. And that just brings me to the the point that you make in the book, you, you make an
2: audacious,
1: and in your life, an audacious statement, for most of us at least. You say, um, anything that catches your eye is actually looking for you. And in, I'd love for you to talk about your idea of living choicelessly. I mean, that it it just living without choice, without directing our lives. I mean, that's so audacious. What are you talking about? We have to plan our lives, we have to do this and that. So beautiful. so, So outrageous.
2: So, does an apple tree plan its life? An apple tree has a purpose. It's very clear what it is to create apples. The apple tree could go to India and study at the foot of a guru for many years. It could go through extensive therapy and all kinds of techniques. It could say affirmations, it could, make all ki- it could read the secret, it could make choices, but it will never make bananas. <laughs> Human beings think they're fr- fruit salad trees. Each of us, just like the trees in the forest, are different kinds of trees. And each of us have a purpose. There is something that guides the apple tree and every other plant and creature on the planet. And that's light. When light impinges on the leaves of that tree, the plant or the tree literally moves, aligns itself with the light because the light is not only giving it its total nourishment, It's giving it its total guidance, not only in terms of where it grows, but to the degree, the fullness and everything that's actually happening with humans as well. And so, you know, we're at a time where everyone's looking for truth, but we don't know what that means. You know, Jesus somewhere in the Bible said, the truth shall set you free. But is that your truth? Is that my truth? Is that someone else's truth? And so today, one of the words you hear very often is, oh, that's just your belief system. You need to change your beliefs and so on. So while I was writing the book, I went to a thesaurus and I looked up the word belief. And then I started seeing all the synonyms, ideas, thoughts, concepts, theories, ideas, beliefs. And then my eyes, on their own, just jump down to the antonyms, the words that are opposites of belief. And what's the first word they go to? And all of a sudden, my eyes move to the word truth. And it was mind-boggling. The opposite of belief is truth. And then, of course, I realized something. Every idea we have, Every thought we have, every concept we have, every scientific theory we have, and every belief that we have is not truth. Those are all momentary truths that are continually changing, but that's not truth. Real truth is unchanging. It's something that is constant. There is something within each of us that is like that. See, we say the only constant is change. But the only way that you can see a world that's constantly changing and appears to change is if what is observing it is non-changing. So if someone said, does God change? He'd say, of course not omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Well, there is something within each of us that sees everything all the time, even when we're dreaming. There's something within each of us that is aware of all of our physical sensation, and it's also aware of all of our mental activity. So, for instance, we're all aware when the mind is worrying. What is it that's noticing the worry? That is our true essence. That's the place that's choiceless. That's the place that has no point of view, that doesn't speak, that doesn't have a desire for this versus that. That's a place that sees with total clarity. So when you ask me, what does it mean to live choicelessly? What does it mean? What do you mean when you say it caught my eye? There is nothing within the physical body that is designed to initiate action. Everything in our being is designed to respond to something that is calling to it. The plant responds to the light and grows toward it. So do humans. So what I came to notice as a vision scientist, it's not the eye looking for the light. It's the light looking for the eye. And you might say, what do you mean it's the light looking for the eye? Well, if you go to the Bible, the Bible refers to this entity called God that is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And it says this God is light. If you speak to a quantum physicist and you say, What is the nature of reality? What is the underlying most fundamental energy from where all matter arises? And they will say light. And if you say to them, how does light behave? They'll use different words, but they'll tell you that light behaves as if it is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So when we think of spiritual light and we think of light from the sun, we're actually talking about the same light. It's all the same light. We just don't understand what light is. When people step outside and it's a bright day, they think they're seeing light, but you cannot see light. Light is totally invisible. What we experience as light by day is brightness. And what we experience as light by night is darkness. There is light all the time.
1: I, I'm thinking of an experiment that you mentioned in your book by Arthur Zients, yeah, uh, who's a physicist. Yeah. And... Um, It was just a phenomenal, his experiment, Eureka experiment, I think it's called. Um, And in just a moment, I would love for you to share with us that experiment because it just kind of blew the socks off of me. And I think it's going to help explain a little bit of what you're saying about seeing light or light. What, just the nature of light.
2: Right.
1: Uh, um, so I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman. He is a vision scientist and the author of Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, Jacob Lieberman, L-I-B-E-R-M-A-N, Jacob jacoblieberman.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. And I just want to remind you, too, that he is the author of uh, other books called Light Medicine of the Future, How We Can Use It to Heal Ourselves Now. And also, take off your glasses and see a mind-body approach to expanding your eyesight and insight. So those are two books that are also available by uh, Jacob Lieberman. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman, and he's the author of Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. And uh, Jacob, I would love for you to talk about the experiment that physicist Arthur Zients did um, in photographing light and his, uh, his conclusion, which was very surprising.
2: You see, the, the main thing is that people don't understand what light is. Einstein spent his whole life trying to figure out what light was and said at the end of his life, he knew no more than he did at the beginning. We think light is a thing. Light is actually just an infinite potentiality. Light is actually formless. It is totally invisible. You cannot see it. So our experience of light is something that appears bright. That's a perceptual phenomenon. That's not light. It's just brightness. So what uh, Dr. Zions did is he created this very interesting uh, experimental set with some sort of a box where they filled it up with light they basically had light filling up this box. And of course, when you think of something filled with light and you look at it, it's going to be filled with light, which we think is brightness. But when they actually looked at it, it was as black as black can be. But you don't need an experiment to actually get that. If you go into outer space which is totally filled with light. It is as, as black as anything can be black. So the point that we're making is light is not what we perceive. Light is actually a formless essence from where all matter arises from. Light itself is invisible.
1: So where where does it become where does it become visible? Where we have the perception right. of of light. I mean, I'm looking behind your head and I see there's a lamp on and it looks like it's luminescent and, yeah. and light and the room is full of color. Uh so where does this perception of light come if it's invisible?
2: So you're asking me the question of the ages, <laughs> you know? How do we get here? How does this all come about? The, in science, they call this the hard problem. The best way that I can respond to you is this. If you ask a, a physicist and you say to them, are there colors in the world? They'll say there are no colors. Are there sounds in the world? No, no, there's no sounds. Are there smells in the world? No, there's no smells. Well, what's out there? The only thing that's out there is energy. And when that energy interacts with our perceptual mechanism, then we see something, we hear something, we smell something. In order to see something, we need an eye, whether it's a human eye or an animal eye or a creature's eye, that's connected with something called consciousness. To hear something, you need an ear connected to consciousness. To taste it, you might need a tongue connected to consciousness. So the interesting about your question is, if you ask a scientist about the nature of reality, what's out there, they'll say it's just energy. That's all that's out there. So then the neuroscientist says, well, then it's in your brain. So we start looking inside the brain, and by God, we can find no place in the brain where any colors exist, any sounds exist, any smells exist, or any tastes exist. Well, where is this life we're experiencing? It's not in the external world. It's not in the brain, and yet this is all we experience. So that's the magic. That's the thing that no one's ever been able to, to understand how nothingness emerges into somethingness. The physicist um, David Bohm, a wonderful theoretical physicist, he said all matter is frozen light. Light is the potential for everything that exists. How that transmutation occurs, that alchemical process of light becoming life, I don't think anyone knows. But that statement is very important because the fact that life emerges from light means that light and life are the same thing in two states of existence. One is formless and the other is formed. What's really phenomenal about how light guides the body is that we think we only see with the physical eyes. The body has trillions of cells and all of them have eyes. And those eyes are designed to detect and respond to this invisible essence called light. So when people say, I had an insight, I had a precognition, oh, my intuition gave me a hint, I had a glimpse of something, I had a flash of something. Those are all expressions that are essentially describing that some aspect of our humanity was sensitive to this invisible essence called light. And we often say hindsight is 20 but in actuality, foresight is twenty-twenty. We are designed actually to be precognitive, to know what's coming before it comes. I'll give you an example. A bear in the forest, a couple months before the temperature starts to get cold, Their skin, they already know, something inside knows it's going to get cold in a couple months, and it starts to thicken its skin and its fur, so when it gets cold, they're already adjusted to it. The birds know well in advance when they have to start flying south. All creatures know precisely when to reproduce, because they're continually being guided by changes in light and darkness. We are no different than those creatures. And because so much of our world is visual, this is why I say, what catches your eyes, what's looking for you. Because when light touches the eye, the eye reflexively moves towards that which calls it. The body then reorients itself. And at that moment, at that instance, When that download is happening, that next piece of our life's curriculum, that's called presence. So presence is when the I is in a state of coherence and congruence with the light that is called it. And what is the light? The light is the intelligence of life. This is why God is referred to as light and why for a physicist, light is the ground of all reality.
1: Now, Jacob, we don't just need the eyes to perceive light. Right. Because you, because we see it in our dreams. Absolutely. And th- so speak about
2: that. Understand that all the cells of the body have eyes. So our physical eyes, the ones in our face, can be closed. And then we have these very elaborate dreams that seem filled with brightness, with color, with sounds, with smells, with taste. They're so real, we awaken, we say, oh my God, I thought for sure it was real. But it's even way beyond that. There's an experience that I mentioned in the book when I was inducted as president of ICM. And three weeks later, somewhere in the middle of the night, something was aware of my body sleeping. Something was aware that my body was either having a dream or a glimpse of something. And whatever was aware noticed the whole thing going on. And in this case, the awareness was of me doing the presidential address at the ICM conference one year into the future. Now, I could spend all day talking about this The point I'm making is that these direct experiences like this are so profound that they change your sense of knowing about everything because for that to occur, all of a sudden you realize that time is just a concept. Space is just a concept. Past and future are all concepts. Because a year later, everything that I saw a year before actually manifested. So I have no idea how these things occur. But what I've come to realize is there's a lot more going on than what we're aware of. And these things are very, very important because they give us a glimpse of the enormous nature of our humanity, that we are much more than what is visible in the same way that when you see a tree, you're only seeing that which is above the ground. But something three times that size, which is keeping the entire tree stable and nourished, is totally out of sight. So we have a very, very rich nature that is always at play and not visible to us. We are aware of very, very, very little of what's actually occurring.
1: All of what you're saying somehow occurs to me as a very hopeful way of of seeing, a, a hopeful sure. insight somehow. yeah, I, I and I can't explain why it seems hopeful, but just i I just feel some hope when i when I hear you. Well,
2: I'll tell you what it is for me. I'm in love with life. And I've come to a very sweet place in my life. It's a very humbling place. I don't know exactly how to speak about it. I'm I'm with the love of my life right now. We just met three years ago, but I've never experienced this level of love in my life. And it has a lot to do with living choicelessly. What does that actually mean? I feel totally guided in my life. Just as I sat here, I didn't know what you might ask. I didn't rehearse anything. It's all happening by itself. I find that this isn't only happening when I'm asked to speak. It happens all day long. I feel like I'm literally taken from one place to the next in terms of where I need to be. I don't need to give it a thought. And of course, when someone says that, you say, well, you're just a couch potato all day. You're, <laughs> you're not doing things.
1: Wait, just one yeah. moment. We're yeah. going to take just a brief break because I want to know more about that. I'm, I'm here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman. He's uh vision scientist and the author of Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman, and he's the author of Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. And Jacob, you were just talking about living in this choiceless way of, of following what attracts your eye. And you just said, well, some people would say, well, then that means that you're just going to be a couch potato. Uh, so can you explain how this works?
2: You know... We're all looking for health and happiness. I call it contentment. We're all looking for a life that is not perfect. There's no such thing, but a life that feels wonderful to live. And um, we got clues about that from very wise people about how do you find that way. In the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus is quoted as saying, When you see up as down and down as up, when you see the outside and the inside the same, when you see a man as a woman and a woman as a man, when thine eye be single, then you shall enter the kingdom. What he was saying was, when you no longer say this is good and this is bad, when you actually see everything just as it is, then you enter the kingdom. One of my favorite quotes is by Sengsten, the third Zen patriarch. And he said, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, the world is clear and undisguised. Make the slightest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, hold no opinions for or against anything. To see what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. What Sangston was saying 1,450 years ago and Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas is that If through some grace you come to a place of choicelessness, then you enter the kingdom. You find the great way. We might call that contentment. Somewhere or another when I wasn't looking, it found me. I don't know how it occurred. I don't know any methods to tell people. And now I find myself in this very sweet place at the age of 70. And obviously as we age, you know, we get little aches and pains and things going on in the body that we didn't have. But then there's this other piece that's ageless and timeless. I notice as I look at the external world, things change, people get older. I always feel as though I'm seeing through the same eyes, the same eyes as when I was a a little kid. So one of the key pieces or, or discoveries that brought me to this place is we're led to believe that we are our minds. This is my mind. This is my point of view. These are my beliefs. I can change my mind. I don't mind that. All these different expressions. I shared something before, but it's, it's worthwhile to share it again. The reason that we are all aware when the mind is active is because we are not the mind. We are that which is noticing it. If you think that you're this continual chatter, that's these continual ideas that are going on in the mind, then your physiology is going to reflect all those beliefs and states of mind. That's what the whole science of psycho-neuro-immuno-endocrinology is all about. But if for an instance, you see from no point of view, from the middle, what Jesus was speaking about or sangston, if you realize that you're not the changing mind, but that you are that which is observing or noticing it, the silent observer, then all of a sudden, the world can go up and down and in and out. You're aware of it, but it doesn't cripple you.
1: So I want to kind of bring that into like physical reality, if I may. Uh, Because I I know you talk about um, how in living choicelessly and following that which attracts your eye. So I've ever since I read that in your book, I thought, oh, okay, I'm gonna kind of experiment myself with that a bit and and start to do that which is attracting me and and following through with that, completing that task, whatever is right. calling me. So I I've been trying to follow that myself and and um the question is, and I think you really kind of answer this a bit, you, you say, okay, well, what about, you know, paying the mortgage or what about paying, you know, uh, doing, I, I don't know, getting the groceries or whatever. But that's all part of it. Because when you say when, when the bill comes, pay it. When the phone rings, answer it. Right. When somebody expresses love, Express it back, whatever it is. So it's, it's not that we're not uh, handling the details of our life.
2: It, it's it, incredibly simple. <laughs> you see, what grabs your attention is being animated by the same thing that animates the timing of the rising and setting of the sun that the beating of our hearts. So stuff doesn't just happen. It happens at a precise instance because that is the instance. I've come to have such respect for the timing of things that the moment it comes, I automatically respond to it. You'll never see my bed unmade or dishes in the sink or bills to pay or phone calls to respond. Anyone that works with me knows I take care of it, I take care of it. What's interesting is it never feels overwhelming because I realize that life has already prioritized everything. I don't need to do that. And so people say to me, well, what if you don't have the money to pay the bill? Great. Then what you do is you call the person and you let them know you don't have the money to pay. And you let them know that you may only send them $2 this month, but you'll take as long And every month you're going to call them and let them know how much you owe them and what you'll send them. You just take care of things in whatever way you're able to. That is the most powerful um, experience of presence that one can have much more than sitting in meditation with your eyes closed because you can only do that for so long. You have to go out into the real world. and You have to take care of things there. So life provides a way for us to continually experience meeting things, responding to things, completing things. And in the process, we gain an authentic security in our ability to meet everything.
1: So we don't build up a backlog, so to speak. Right, right. And um, then I I just, I I don't wanna leave this conversation without having you say something about, you mentioned meditation, uh, but about the breath and how important the breath is to, how helpful it is to be aware of our
2: breath. The breath is the most fundamental movement of the whole universe. It's not something just happening within us. First of all, we're not breathing. Something is breathing us. Our body is continually expanding and contracting, as is every cell and every cellular component in our body, as is all living things, as is the earth, the solar system, the universe. They're all doing the same thing expanding and contracting. That rhythm is like the heartbeat of life that's entrained into all living things. None of us like the feeling of not being able to breathe. We know that when the breath stops, something is on its way to perishing. So, noticing that, I realized, well, what causes that breath to stop? And when I did a real live experiment for many, many, many years, I realized that every time we think, every time we try hard, the breath is held every single time. So, efforting is... Any efforting, because see, the whole universe works under the law of parsimony, which means the least effort necessary for something to occur. It's not supposed to be work. It's supposed to be free of charge. (laughs) So uh, essentially what I began to notice is that when the mind is active, the breath is held. When the breath is flowing, the mind is quiet. So if I just follow what's calling me throughout the day, there's not much to think about. There's not enough time to think. You just respond to everything as it calls you and you sleep very well at night.
1: Oh, Jacob, thank you so much for being with us today. We could talk about so much more, but I, I think that you've given us a lot to to breathe in. <laughs>
2: thank you. It's been a great pleasure to see you again.
1: Thank you. My pleasure as well. I've been here with Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman. He spells his last name L-I-B-E-R-M-A-N, and he is a Vision scientist and the author of *Luminous Life*: How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, JacobLieberman.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number thirty-six.
0: New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine willis Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson.